Welcome to the Purposeful Planning Podcast, where you'll gain tangible, practical suggestions to help you transform and elevate your practice. Our content is for both seasoned professionals working with complex family systems and those just entering the field. These podcasts will also be valuable for family leaders who are dedicated to helping individual family members find their pathway to flourishing lives and strengthening the relational fabric of the family. Welcome and thank you for joining us. And now your host. I'd love to welcome you to today's podcast, Lessons Learned in a Decade Working with the Next Generation, featuring um, our thought leader guest, Whitney Webb. Whitney's been working with next-gen inheritors from ages 5 to 55 across the world since 2012, so she's really entering her 11th year of service, and and she she basically serves these inheritors by assisting them in dealing with topics ranging from values and identity, philanthropy, financial literacy, entrepreneurship, leadership, family dynamics, career decisions, relationships and prenups, and more, much more. She is the Managing Director of Governance, Education, and Philanthropy at Crescent Capital, and she's the founder of Launch Generation. So, Whitney, it's really, I've been a been looking forward to this podcast for quite a while now, and I'd love to have you kind of, um, let me just say, I I do think that this ability to work with the rising generation family members as early as age five is is an opportunity that's often overlooked. I, I hear everybody all the time saying, well, you know, I wait until they're 16 to 18. That's when we can really start doing the serious work. But I think you've found that we don't have to wait. But I'd love to ask, how do you take the focus off the next generation to really spark real momentum? Yeah, great question. And and thanks for having me. I'm excited about this, too. So I think a lot of families, when they when they come to me or they seek out services of someone to, to educate the next generation, um, a lot of it is right away about, okay, teach my kids financial literacy, teach my kids to be, to be responsible. Um, you know, they're about to go off to college and I, I'm worried about what they're, what they're going to do. Um, but I, I think that's really difficult for anyone to be singled out, you know, and I think what you're trying to do in the family is create a culture of learning. You're not trying, trying to create an obligation or a punishment. For any of the family members, and that that tends to be how the next generation views it. So I think that the leaders of the family, um, you know, can really think to to basic leadership advice, which is don't make others do what you wouldn't do yourself. Um, so I think viewing this work as as full family education um, is so important uh, to to actually make it lasting. Um, and to make people want to be part of it. There's also, you know, with the with singling out, there's so much room for miscommunication. Um, and I mean, miscommunication, I think, is at the heart of so many problems that, that families have, um, which is not a surprise to, to anyone listening. But just to give an example here, one of my very first times being brought in to work with a family, I was working with a group of cousins. And from my understanding, I was there to teach about both uh, personal finance and, and philanthropy and thought everyone knew why I was there. 
soon as I got in and closed the door and said my hellos, I was basically cornered by one of the cousins saying, is this a hostile takeover? And I was like, a, a hostile takeover of what? I don't even, I don't even know what you're talking about. Um, you know, they weren't sure. Are, are we being thrown out of the business? Are we being thrown out of inheritance? What's going on? And so, you know, I, I realized the fact that the other family members weren't there um, and hadn't really even talked to them about what this process was about led to such fear and anxiety um, and, and paranoia. Um, and so, you know, it took more than half of that meeting just to kind of calm some nerves. So I, I think it's just so important that everyone starts off on the same page. It doesn't mean that the whole process of education needs to look the same for everyone. Um but if anyone, everyone has skin in the game, then you're you're creating that culture. Um, and obviously, the education for a five-year-old will be much more about exposure and comfortability than it would for a 16-year-old. Yeah, I think um, great point. Um, there, there really is a delicate balance here between the emphasis on structure and and kind of respecting and encouraging autonomy and in these educational initiatives that you're you're leading in and i'm just curious how how do you suggest we strike the balance between structure and autonomy when we're working with these rising generation family members yeah i i wish i could say that i had created some curriculum that will work for every single family and, and solve all of these problems. Obviously, I have not. Um, a lot of people have created great tools. And I think more of us should be creating tools and activities and processes because what I've seen work, um, you know, and, and actually lead to behavioral change and, and, and impact is customization. Um, but even within customization, you do need a balance of um, sharing practical information and then giving an experience where people can gain confidence in, in doing those skills. Um, and the way that the way that we really look at it is, you know, if if you can't describe something, if you can't explain something in about 15 to 20 minutes, then you probably need to break that down into two different sessions. And then after 15 minutes, you need to focus on a bias to action. You, you've got to get them doing something. So if we're thinking about budgeting, you know, have them actually physically in front of you go sign up for something like mint.com. Um, have them, you know, create the budget in front of you. If you're talking about credit score, go in with them and have them check their credit score. Um, if they're talking about starting a business, okay, actually sit with them and show them exactly the process that they have to go through to create an LLC. I've, I've noticed that it's not, it's not the financial literacy. It's not the education of all of this that is so tricky. It's the anxiety and the uncertainty and the competing priorities that, that stops people from, from action. Um, and so I think that that's where um, trusted advisors can can come in, um, even if it seems like as soon as you hang out that call or you leave that door, they're going to get going. They're going to start that investment portfolio. They're going to do something. They're most likely not. 
Um, but if you're sitting there and, and you can help them action it, they'll remember that and they'll want to, they'll, they'll want to come back to you because you actually helped them move forward. That's, that's really, um, very, very important, uh, point. The, the fact that they're going to really connect to you deeply because of the help that you're offering them and the way in which that help is being extended. I'm, I'm, let, let's talk just a little bit more about how do you help the, the next gen family member, the rising generation family member find a balance between legacy, um, responsibilities and, and legacy, the kind of stewardship side of legacy and innovation and, and the fresh, freshness of what innovation might bring into their life. Yeah, there's so much, there's so much anxiety that lives here and it's, and it's because so many of these family members are wearing so many more hats than, uh, you know, a, a person not in a, a family enterprise or, um, family business would, would be wearing. Um, so, you know, someone, a, a young woman might simultaneously be thinking about her role as a daughter, as a mother as a business owner, as a philanthropist and, and all of that. And so I think that's the first step is help people understand, like, yeah, there's a reason why you feel anxious. You're, you're being pulled in so many different directions and you're, you're being asked to make a decision as essentially four different people. Um, and so I think acknowledging why that's stressful is first of all, a, a really, a really good place, but then the the next advice that I give is to is to help them practice empathy, and I use the word practice intentionally because you can't just flip a switch and be empathetic. Um, some people are more empathetic than others, but really, really understanding that that might mean getting out of your comfort zone, um, and and start by thinking about okay, if I want to honor legacy, I want to honor what my parents or my grandparents have done. What must it have been like for them to to start this? What what risks must they have taken? What um, what challenges must must they have faced? And really thinking about, you know, are they worrying about being forgotten or all of their hard work being being for nothing? So really, really starting there. Um, and one of my favorite quotes is. Um, to be honest, I don't know who exactly said it. It was in a book I read and I, I just keep repeating it, but it's, um, in order to, in order to hear, one must be heard. Um, and that, that really resonates with me, um, because I think that next gen members, whether they're trying to make a change or become a leader within a family, they, they want to be heard. That is the number one thing. They want to be heard. They want to be respected. They want to be taken seriously. They want to be able to have their voice seen in, in whatever the enterprise is. Um, but in order to do that, they have to listen to their parents and have to listen authentically. Um, and oftentimes it just takes being heard um, for, for the parents to potentially open up to, to new ideas. And then from there, you know, if they're thinking about making making a big change, I think it's a lot easier to 
to implement something um, when you know how those changes will affect someone else. So they might go about it more thoughtfully. Um, and then if there's still pushback on making changes, I think asking your parents straight out, you know, hey, how did you innovate when you were younger? What, what did innovation look like for you? And what would life look like now if you had? Um, because innovation happens all the time, right? Um, it's just, it's much easier to look back at it than, than live through it. Um, so that's just a, a good question to, to kind of move things forward. Whitney, it's, it's so easy, I think, um, to slip into a teaching mode and, and, and these inner interactions that you have with rising generation family members. But I think you really make a, a strong commitment to using um, more of a coaching approach, uh, you know, a focus on kind of self-exploration and self-awareness that pays dividends in terms of increasing the engagement the, and, and, and making the rising generation family members feel empowered. I'd love to have you if you have some examples of how you've done that or suggestions that you would offer around how important coaching and self-exploration is, love to hear those. Yeah. And this has probably been one of my biggest learnings, um, that, you know, in this work at the beginning, you know, I viewed so much of it as, well, here's the lesson. Here's how we're going to teach it. We've got 60 to 90 minutes, whatever it was. Um, but again, you've got, the anxiety, you've got the competing priorities, um, you've got generally people who are different ages, live all across the world. There's just so many, there's so many differences. Um, one of my, one of my favorite books relevant to, to coaching is, is called Designing Your Life. Um, and, and a big part of what they say is, you know, think about one of those big red, uh, arrow signs that says you are here. And that's the only place to start. And so in, in order to do that, you really need to have a coaching, a coaching mentality with the next gen members that you're, that you're starting with. I, one of the biggest, um, I, I've, in this work, I've worked both for an, an independent company. I've worked for myself, an advisory firm. Um, I've, but I've, I've seen across the spectrum how, how people approach this work. And, um, one of the biggest mistakes is by starting with um, saying something like, oh, well, that's not a real problem. You know, you'll figure it out. Or there's there's real problems in the world. Like, you don't, you know, you don't need to worry about this. Oh, you know, or saying something like, wow, you know, you should probably reel in your spending. Um, and it's, it's interesting, even in a joking manner, um, people just shut down. So I think starting with the coaching mentality of of really asking questions like what does success look like for you? Where do you where do you want to be? Um, how can I help? Uh, I think you know the more you can the more you can ask questions, the more you'll you'll figure out where they are. Um, and then of course you can weave in education through that process. Um, a great book to you know, just kind of 
get the, the coaching habit instilled in you is, is called the coaching habit. Um, that's one that I, that I really like. The coaching habit. Yeah. We'll look for the coaching habit. Sounds like a great book. Um, Whitney, let's, um, let's close or at least kind of bring these, my interview questions to a end, focusing on the, sometimes the, the importance of managing expectations of the, the parent or the grandparent, the family leader that has opened the door and given you this opportunity to work with rising generation family members. Um, I, I know that sometimes they really, really, really want to steer what that curriculum and what the approach is going to be. But how, how have you found it's best to manage their expectations? Yeah. And this really goes back to, to your first question too. Um, I, I, I really view this work as, as work for the whole family. Um, I, I've noticed that when, when it's the parents or grandparents that are, that are coming to me and they're saying, I want my children to be financially responsible. I want them to understand, um, business skills, whatever, whatever it is. At the core of it, they're basically saying, I want my kids to act like me. Um, I want my kids to, um, to make decisions in, in the way that, that I have. So I think one of the best ways to start is to, to ask this question to, to the parents of what does success mean for you when you think about when you think about your kids? And if you dig into it, many times it's they want them to be happy. They want them to be healthy um, and they want them to be whether it's responsible or motivated or, or something like that. Um, and if you if, if you dig in further. Um, you know, what is, what does motivation actually mean to them? Uh, oftentimes, um, I've seen parents who are, who are disappointed that their kids aren't following in their footsteps as an entrepreneur. Um, and, and obviously we can talk about the idea of, you know, the kids are living in their shadow. That's difficult alone. But what if, what if pushing them to have that motivation and to take those risks and, you know, to follow in their footsteps? is actually taking away from their happiness and their health. So then is, is that, is that as important? Um, so really having them kind of reprioritize how they think about success for their kids. And then, you know, I think a powerful question is also, how do you, how do you think your kids would define success? Um, that can usually be a light bulb moment for parents. Um, really just remind them they're, they're their own people and, and their, their path is, is going to look different. But I think that having those questions up front is so important because otherwise you're working towards a completely unattainable goal. You know, I'm, I'm not going to shape anyone into a person that they're not and neither is anyone else listening to this podcast. It's, it's not going to happen. We can be there to educate, expose to new ideas, guide, you know, give confidence, but we, we can't change, um, change human being at, at their core. This was great. And I would just say on this last point that I know I've off, I often see what I call the parental impatience, uh, showing up where, 
I, I hear parents, particularly fathers relating to their sons, um, saying, oh, my gosh, when I was that age, I was doing this or, yeah. you know, I just don't see that fire. I don't see that spark. I don't see that drive that I had. And part of what I have found helpful is to at least acquaint them with the fact that their their child is not unique. The there is a delayed maturation going on in society and particularly in affluent families where it's what maybe was customary at age 25 a generation ago is now pushed back into the early mid 30s. And, you know, emerging adulthood is a real uh, sociologically established fact of life. And parents need to understand that their children need to be allowed to mature, develop at their pace. And um, I think if parents can learn that lesson, that lesson and letting go of the expectation that the child's going to walk exactly in their path, things will be much better. Yeah, especially if, if they're going to prioritize relationship, the relationship with their kids, then they need to think about, you know, if they're trying to, to force this type of education or change, at what cost? That that should always be asked and, and generally it's at cost to the relationship. Um so again, I think you're you're totally right. Helping them rethink and reprioritize is is key. It's um I've been reading a couple of books on parenting styles and it's absolutely clear from some of the re- sociological research that an, an affirming, empowering, um accepting, inclusive Parenting style is so, so important to being able to pass on values and, and in a sense, um, encourage the, the appropriate maturation of children. So Whitney, thank you for everything that you're doing. Thank you for sharing so richly with us today. Um, we will close this podcast and wish everybody a very uh, successful uh, coming week and thank you again Whitney thanks so much thanks for having me great chatting with you we hope you enjoyed today's program and if you are a member of the Purposeful Planning Institute I want to invite you to come post in the community forum and share your key takeaways from today's conversation And if you're not a member yet, here's your invitation to join us and be part of our community and access the network, resources, and tools you need to transform your client relationships and your practice. And don't forget to use promo code PURPOSEFUL to receive a 10% discount on a membership. Learn more at PurposefulPlanningInstitute.com.